Hello and welcome to Books Podcast and Politics Weekly listeners. I'm Richard Lee from the Books Desk at The Guardian, where this week we're publishing a series of extracts from Muhammadu Ud Slahi's Guantanamo Diary. Written in his single-cell segregation hut at Camp Echo in 2005, this 466-page manuscript tells the story of his arrest, torture, and the imprisonment without charge which continues to this day, more than 13 years after he was first detained. But the regime under which he's currently held means that his words were classified from the moment he set them down on paper. After years of litigation and 2,500 US government redactions, Slahi's memoir is finally being published. We've teamed up with Canongate Books to present the full declassified manuscript online at guantanamodiary.com, as well as a series of extracts from his ordeal at the Guardian website. With Slahi still locked up in Guantanamo Bay, we've assembled a group of celebrated writers, actors and cultural figures, including Harry Kunzru, Benedict Cumberbatch and Shami Chakrabarti, to bring his words to life on this special podcast series. Over his extended and frequent interrogations, Mohamedou begins to recognise the same repeated accusations, and their force and his fear are diminished. He also comes to understand his interrogator's faults and weaknesses. Around midnight GMT, we landed in Cyprus. Was it a commercial airport or the military airport? I don't know. But Cyprus is one of the many Mediterranean paradises on Earth. The interrogators and the two pilots put their jackets on and left the plane, most likely for a break. It looked like it had been raining, the ground looked wet, and a light drizzle was caressing the ground. Every once in a while I stole a quick glimpse through the small blurry window. The breeze outside gave away the presence of a cold winter on the island. I felt some noises that shook the small plane. It must have been the fuel system moving. I was drowned in my daydreams. I was thinking, now the local police will suspect the plane and hopefully search it. I'm lucky because I'm breaking the law by transiting through a country without a transit visa and I'll be arrested and put in jail. In the prison, I'll apply for asylum and stay in this paradise. The Jordanians can't say anything because they're guilty of trying to smuggle me. The longer the plane waits, the better my chances are to be arrested. How wrong I was. How comforting a daydream can be. It was my only solace to help me ignore and forget the evilness that surrounded me. The plane indeed waited long enough, about an hour, but there was no searching the plane. I was non-existent in the passengers list that the Jordanians gave to the local authorities. I even thought I saw police in black uniforms coming near the plane, but I wasn't to be spotted because I was sandwiched between two seats and had to keep my head down so I looked like a small bag. I might be wrong, though, and just saw them because I wanted the police to come and arrest me. His associate and the two pilots came back and we took off. The pilots switched places. I saw the fat pilot sitting in front of him. He was almost as broad as he was tall. Started a conversation with him. Although I couldn't hear the talk, I assumed it to be a friendly discussion between two mature men which was good. Grew tired like everybody else, except for the young guard who kept his never-blinking eyes pointed on me. Every once in a while he made a comment like, keep your head down, and look down, but I kept forgetting the rules. 
I had the feeling that this would be my last flight because I was certain I wouldn't make it through the torture. I thought about every member of my family, even my far nephews and nieces and my in-laws. How short is this life? In a blink of an eye, everything is gone. The plane started to lose altitude again and finally landed in a place I didn't know. I think it was an Arabic country somewhere in the Middle East because I think I spotted signs in Arabic through the small windows when I stole a quick glimpse off my guarding demon. It was still night time and the weather seemed to be clear and dry. I didn't see any signs of winter. This time I didn't hope for the police to search the airplane because Arabic countries are always conspiring with each other against their own citizens. What treason! Nonetheless, any leak of information wouldn't hurt. But I didn't give that daydream a second thought. We didn't stay long, though we went through the same procedure. And his two pilots going for a short break, and the same noises of taking on fuel that I heard in Cyprus. The plane took off to its final destination, Amman, Jordan. I don't think we made any more stops, though I kept passing out and coming to until we arrived in Jordan. Over 90% of Jordanians are Muslim. For them, as for all Muslims from the Middle East, fasting during Ramadan is the most important religious service. People who don't fast are resented in the society, and so many people fast due to social pressure, even though they don't believe in the religion. In Mauritania, people are much more relaxed about fasting and less relaxed about prayer. Take your breakfast, said the guard. I think I'd fallen asleep for a moment. No, thanks. It's your last chance to eat before the fast begins. No, I'm okay. Are you sure? Yes. They started to eat their breakfast, chewing like cows. I could even hear them through my earmuffs. I kept stealing glimpses towards the small windows until I saw the first daylight prying the darkness open. I'd like to perform my prayer, I said to the guard. The guard had a little conversation with who ordered him to take off one of my earmuffs. There is no opportunity to pray here. When we arrive, you and I are going to pray together, said I was sort of comforted, because if he prays, that was a sign that he was a believer, and so he wouldn't possibly hurt his brother in belief. And yet he didn't seem to have knowledge about his religion. Prayer must be performed on time, in the best manner you can, at least in your heart. You can't postpone it except for the reasons explained in the Islamic scriptures. In any case, the promised prayer with Satan never took place. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com audio.